What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogs Haven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul. Jamal Force. You can find me on Twitter at Let's Maul Tell It. Do not forget to you. You know why we're here. You know why I'm here. Um, the Commanders got a game on Thursday. Right, one and four on the road against the two and three Chicago Bears. And I'm laughing because I saw a tweet almost ten minutes ago before I started recording that said, "Don't worry, y'all. Go ahead and spend some time with your family tonight. This game is not worth it." And. I just could not help but imagine or, or think about all the conversations I had yesterday um, and just hearing people talk and then also having conversations on um, Trapper Dive podcast with uh, the All-32 side. And we're talking just NFL in general. And he's and these guys are saying, man, I ain't what I you might as well not watch the game tomorrow. Mo. It's like it's, a, it's been a, it's been to be a snooze fist. But ultimately, you know, we got a job to do. We all got a job to do. And that is be loyal to our team. And if you're reporting or working on uh, working covering the team then you know you got to make sure you get as much information as you could so you got to tune in regardless of how bad the product may be and that's kind of the situation in the commander's gym right now right uh ron rivera got himself into a little pickle over the past couple of days uh stemming from some comments that he made in his uh his presser day after presser and then obviously yesterday he had some comments as well so we'll go ahead and get into some administrative items right quick uh first and foremost uh, this is a game preview episode, so we'll go ahead and get into our three keys um, and, and stuff like that. But obviously, if you find yourself with some time today, make sure you get that rating and review. Um, you know, this is a short week, so I was trying to figure out how to manage this thing. And uh, I, I don't think the day before is is a, is a big deal. So we'll, we'll make this one quick. Just get into our three keys and things like that. Um, and 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 we can go ahead and get ready for this game, this, this week six matchup between the Bears and the Commanders uh, at Soldier Field. So um yeah back to ron rivera for those who are unfamiliar with the situation i think it's best if we just play everything within context so we'll talk about or we'll hear from ron rivera uh his comments from monday and then we'll hear his follow-up from the next day meaning tuesday in which he clarified um cleared some things up uh apologized in a way um and there's that so you'll hear these both of these quotes, you'll hear it from back to back. Following up on John's question about the, the Giants, you know, they're up to a faster start. The Eagles, the Cowboys, you know, they've kind of all been rebuilding too the last couple of years, and it seems like they're farther ahead. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at, at this point? Quarterback. I mean, with quarterback, like the Cowboys, for instance, they're – they don't have Dak Prescott this season and still have been able to well, they win. Started with, well, they, they started, started with, with Dak, them, but and they built around Dak, and the offense is built around Dak. Um, they're backed up to a guy that is very solid inside of it, inside of what they do. Um, and the truth is that, that this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success, they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback. You chose the quarterback here, though, so do you have any regrets about that, or how do you – 
No, I got no regrets about that quarterback. I think our quarterback has done some good things. There's been a couple of games that he struggled. Um, but you look at his numbers from yesterday, and you would say, okay, look at his numbers he's had throughout the year. There was a time he was, you know, um, very solid. And then, um, un- you know, we had the unfortunate Philadelphia game, and we struggled a little bit in the Dallas game. But the way he performed yesterday, it just shows you what he's capable of. And, you know, we chose him because we believe him. We chose him because we looked at what we felt were, were, were things that pointed towards him. So those are the comments from uh, Ron Rivera in a conversation between he and Matt Paris, uh, I believe, of the Washington Times. So up next is the conversation that he had yesterday, meaning Tuesday, in regards to, you know, the situation that he put on himself and the team uh, altogether. I, I spoke to my team this morning. You know, we, we I basically told them that I said some things that were misconstrued. I didn't present it properly, and that's on me. So I took accountability, told the guys that uh, – you know, I should know better. And uh, I had a bad day. So I figured, you know, feeling better today, let's move forward. So to me, as far as I'm concerned, it's really now about the most important thing. That's getting ready for football. Did you worry that you had caused maybe an unnecessary distraction in the week? where you're short- Very much so. And that's why, you know, I apologize to the guys. And, uh, you know, it's been good. Uh, the players have been really positive about it. And, uh, you know, Carson and I had a nice conversation. So I think we're, uh, we're ready to roll. So there's Ron Rivera. Um, some of the people you heard, or one, the one person that you did hear was John Conn of ESPN, just conversating with him on the, on the situation. You know, he said he took accountability and he told the guys that I should know better. Uh, and while I think the most important thing is to understand that, you know, he did attempt to take accountability. I, I had to say attempt because it's a little, um, still a little bit of a gray area in the sense and what I mean by that is, uh, let's go ahead and like go from top, top to bottom. Won't take too long on this, uh, but uh, Ron Rivera, when you look at the question that was asked to him and presented to him, right? A great, great line of questioning, and 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 follow ups from Matthew Paris, right? But uh, when you think about the questions that was presented to him, you know he had every in every which way ample time to communicate and and communicate properly communicate exactly what was going on in his head and how he wanted to make sure that the people knew what he meant by when he was, when, what he was going to say next, meaning quarterback. Um, So the, I think the crux of the issue is when you go with the one word answers, um, like sometimes your truth can also be revealed in that same vein, but also when you go with those one word answers, even what your truth is or what it isn't, you leave it up for interpretation. You had three seconds to respond, and Ron Rivera had three seconds to respond before Matthew Paris decided to follow up and try to, you know, get clarity on what he meant. So ultimately, uh, what what Ron is really experiencing is the fact that you know sometimes you just can't be short with the media, or if you if you're going to be short with the media, be direct in what you mean. Right? There's other ways to present that information. Um, you can present that information with the fact that. If if you if you if you ultimately meant that these teams had opportunity and time to build around these guys, right? Then you say that. Now the question is, as you're listening, do you agree with that? I don't agree with it, and I'm sure you all don't. So at the end of the day, that's not going to be a strong enough argument for why your team is one and four when everybody else is four and one or better. Ultimately, that's on you to make sure that your point is construed properly, but also that. You understand quarterback is not 
the sole reason why your team is struggling. Um, and and also quarterback Ron Rivera was chosen by you, chosen by your staff, um, primarily you, but also, you know, you constructed the roster that's around the quarterback. You have an offensive line that's failing to protect him. Initially, your defense is who has gotten better to this point, and, and I think they're one of the, the better run defenses in the league right now, but they've, they've gotten better to this point. But early on, they started off pretty bad. They're still giving up the explosives. It's decreased as time went on, but they're still giving them up. But ultimately, like, these are the people that you put out here. You signed William Jackson III to a big money deal in free agency your second year into this, uh, your tenure with Washington. You benched them against the Tennessee Titans after, what, two series, maybe maybe three tops, not too sure. But you bench William Jackson III, and odds are is you're probably going to keep him on that bench because you can't afford to keep him out there until he learns how to communicate better. And, and Ron Rivera actually spoke on William Jackson yesterday as well and his pressure and the reason why William Jackson is where he is. And essentially he said the following, I think the biggest thing, as far as William is concerned, is just making sure he's healthy. But I think the biggest thing is understanding your communications you're working with and how you work with your teammates. It's a little bit different from what he's done previously. Um, and what he would like to see from William Jackson moving forward is communication. It's just communication. You know, he said the following, a little more animated, just so everybody knows that you've gotten the check or that you didn't hear the check or that you've made the check. Just understanding that everybody is aware of how you're feeling on the on the field like how you're comprehending what's going on and if you aren't comprehending make sure people know that so ultimately um again you brought william jackson in uh you brought curtis samuel in uh those were your two bigger deals and, and obviously ryan fitzpatrick can't overlook him you brought these guys in um your first big free agency opportunity for this roster ultimately you also let trent williams go uh you let brandon sheriff go um, and you also let Eric Flowers go. And the reason why I'm not going to sit here and argue anything about Brandon Sheriff, like that's that's a bigger conversation money wise. So, but I'm I'm saying ultimately you had interior line help, and then you went from the interior line being solid or even better than solid to now being a, a poor unit. It is a poor interior unit. Um, the game in which they had against the Tennessee Titans, granted. The Tennessee Titans are dominating. Um, these guys are playing really good uh, football against uh, against the run, right? But the, and and even against the pass, like they had some issues. The, the Washington Commanders did to, in, in terms of protecting wins. But you're talking about a team who got dominated up front at the point of attack on the ground game. Uh, I got <laughs> I got introduced to uh, what is his name, the defensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans it's uh Tier Tart number 93 I got introduced to him as by way of of how he played against the Commanders and he dominated Sadiq Charles uh West or Nick Martin and obviously uh Andrew Norwell man he had himself a day uh obviously outside of the bigger names and Justin Simmons and and Danico Autry uh that man Tart is is a pretty good player number 93 He's also a free agent, upcoming, a restricted free agent. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands, if not going back to Tennessee. But he's a dog. Um, but ultimately, they got dominated up front. And you're not going to see that many fronts in the Titans who who play that good, right? 
that is a unit who over the last three games are averaging they're giving up a think around 30 yards a game um i think they're around 30 yards a game so you have to you have to understand that part or 59 yards a game sorry i knew it was a nine (laughs) but they're allowing just 59 yards per game on the ground over the last three three games and even against the giants like they played well for the most part but they gave up two big runs like it wasn't like they were they were hitting every single drive they had two big runs that increased the average and increased the amount of yardage that, that they had or they had that they had allowed so you have to think about those things as well but my point is you're not going to see that much or that good of a front throughout the rest of the season but it is glaring in terms of the talent there's two different things the talent level but also how they executed against this front they missed assignments they miscommunicated andrew norwell had a couple of missed assignments i also think that Nick Martin um, could have done a little bit better trying to get to the second level as well. Uh, he he hung on to the first level blocks a little bit too longer than he should have, in my opinion. Uh, just on a couple of occasions, you only had 12 rushing attempts, like 12 true rushing attempts. Um, 14 technically, but there were two bad snaps that resulted in Wentz having to keep the ball and just get what he could. So you had 14 true rushing attempts, um, and then you had 12 actual handoffs that were successful. <laughs> um, but ultimately, you may not see that type of front again, but that offensive line is something that you built. And the interior is struggling. Uh, they've been struggling all year, no matter who you put out there. Trey Turner, Andrew Norwell struggled. Um, then you had uh, uh what's that guy's name? Chase Rouillet, the center, had a blank for a second. Uh, but Chase Rouillet, he had issues in the first game, and I think I said it in the recap, he just struggled with bigs. Um, bigs that was right up on him. Uh, like the, the the zero techniques or the nose guards or the shaded nose, those bigger guys gave him problems. So these are and, and Chase Ruya is a fine player, but you know he was coming off of an injury and he didn't look like he was ready to take on a lot of power players. Um, and, and that's probably what you're going to get often at that center position. Uh, and then, I mean, we can just keep going down the line, right? <laughs> uh, but ultimately, you built that offensive line, and that offensive line has regressed in terms of a talent standpoint. This was a line that you touted as a top six offensive line when you made your pitches to your quarterbacks in the offseason. Like this is what you this is what you brought about on yourself. So when you say quarterback and you leave no other uh, you leave it up for interpretation for three seconds without making a clear clarification, that's a problem. And then another problem is the fact that you have said <laughs> that these other teams have been able to build around quarterbacks. But Daniel Jones is on a a one-year deal essentially and i say one year because they didn't pick up his fifth year option they don't know him this regime doesn't know him but yet they're four and one and they're not winning this uh in in as a result of daniel jones who had a good game against the packers this past week but overall they're not all winning off of daniel jones saquon barkley is playing like an mvp candidate he's like third in the league in rushing so they are finding ways to win they're finding multiple ways to win and daniel jones is just doing the right thing by not making the the damning mistakes that he made over the past few years. And then Cooper Rush who has been in the system for like 5 or 6 years, they are building for Dak. Like they're not building around Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush doesn't even he has a noodle arm. He has a Colt McCoy arm. Like it ain't like he has that super strength arm that you can build around. He's just holding the ship afloat. And obviously Jalen Hurts is the exception. He is the one that they're building around. Their offensive line is really good. They gave him some weapons, and he's capitalizing off of that. That offense is ready to go. Uh, so 
that's one thing. But ultimately, you you told us essentially that this team was ready to win now. And I think that's kind of the issue when you say quarterback, uh, you can't keep using all of these excuses uh, for why things aren't working out well. You're one and four. Uh, you aren't doing good. And in the moment, because, you know, he clarified the next day in that second pressure that I took accountability and made and made a mistake and misstep uh, and missteps. But ultimately, when you ask why you're one and four, that's where the accountability should come in. You shouldn't have to give a reason for why uh, these guys aren't playing well. You shouldn't have to use like a, a player or a position for why things aren't going well. You can't use health. You can't use units. You can't use youthfulness. You can't use immaturity. It starts with you. So the moment in which he took accountability was a moment in where he acknowledged he misspoke and, and also some other things. And this is the last thing that we'll talk about, about this situation that leads me to believe he only took accountability for how everyone else interpreted his words. And here we go. Ron Rivera, in between the presser uh, with the media yesterday and the one that he had on Monday, he spoke on the team's radio show the Don Geronimo show on, I think, Big 100, I believe. Uh, let me just double check. Yeah, Big 100 in D.C. So here it goes. This is from Nikki Javala, Washington Post. He said that he addressed the team and talked to Carson this morning about his comments yesterday. Rivera clarified that he meant the other QBs in the NFC East has familiarity in their systems and their teams and Winston's in his first year in Washington. But here's the full quote. And then after this full quote, I'll tell you all what I heard from Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington in a conversation that he had with Antonio Gibson. So here's the quote. I didn't have to in relation to talking to Carson Wentz. I was fortunate enough that our media relations director contacted him and let him know. I And I actually talked to Carson this morning. In fact, I talked to the whole team. I had a mea culpa moment and that I know better and that I should know better. I created a little bit of a distraction. And that's one thing I try not to do. And it's one thing that I'm very aware of. Again, it's one of those things when you misstep, people can't wait to dive into it and jump onto it and hold on to it without an opportunity to explain yourself. So, hey, that's on me. I should know better. So that's what he said to Big 100, the team radio station, in that he made a misstep and people can't wait to dive onto it and jump onto it and hold on to it without an opportunity to explain yourself. So I guess those three seconds wasn't enough. But the thing that's really bothering me and that's really sticking out to me is that Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington on the the Washington Football Talk podcast, uh, he had said yesterday, he spoke with Antonio Gibson after, you know, in the locker room and things like that. And Antonio Gibson said that coach spoke with him, coach spoke with the team, and said, y'all know how the media likes to take things. And the media is, is finding a way to take this out of out of proportion in, in a sense. Um, now, this is not verbatim, right? And, and I don't know if I have the privileges to, to play their podcast clip on here. But he essentially said that, um, you know, the media will take something the wrong way. And, they, and you know how the media are, the local media is and, and, and Antonio Gibson specifically said y'all like he's saying the people in this locker room type of situation so from what that sounds like is that he's Ron Rivera is pointing the finger at the media for taking this out of proportion what am I saying here and what is my conclusion 
I am saying that what he said to Big 100 on the team radio station, I would not be surprised if that was the same message that he had to his teammates or his team in the locker room and to his coaches in the locker room. Because Antonio Gibson shed light into the conversation. And what Antonio Gibson shared is that the media takes things out of proportion. So for that, the part in which he says that he's taking accountability for, I think he's taking accountability for the fact that he's allowing or he 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 allowed the media to misinterpret his words. It's not that he said anything wrong. It's that he allowed the media to misinterpret his words. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when you're allowed three seconds in between questions to give a, a full, complete answer, um, you're the one that messed up. Uh, you're the one that is showing that you don't really have an answer uh, and, and, uh, and, and basically are falling on your face like, it's kind of it's kind of difficult, and I think that uh, for Ron Rivera and a person who's feeling that pressure uh, that you know things aren't working well, but you don't know why things are working well. Ultimately, you're going to find yourself with some answers that you didn't anticipate you were going to say because you're running out of answers. I um, mean, you're running out of ways to to really point the finger. Um, and, and I say all that to say we can transition to the games, the three keys. That's all I had to say on on Ron Rivera and things like that. But it's important to note that. For a guy who's in the midst of this losing streak and, and the way in which he talks to the media, but also, you know, has like messaging. His messaging is different to team focused uh, situations, big 100, his locker room. Uh, I don't know if he's truly taking accountability. Uh, I still have that question mark. I'm willing to acknowledge that, you know, he did step up and say, you know, he had a bad day and that's completely fair. I want to give Ron Rivera credit for that. I want to give Ron Rivera uh, the, I guess, the grace to to see like maybe he truly meant something else but it's just hard given his track record that he has rarely taken accountability but he decided to take accountability for this one while still blaming other individuals in the process um that's just not that's just not it so let's go ahead and get into our three keys of the chicago bears matchup this upcoming thursday so my first key my very first key is to establish the ground game. Uh, it's plain and simple. Obviously, like I said, and that's the reason why I went into the Titans matchup in a sense and how they were just so dominant. Um, and, and it's kind of it kind of gives you a question mark on if Washington is even capable of running the football. But I think that they will be. Uh, I think that they, they are capable of running the football. You just don't find teams that good against the run every single week. And I think Washington has an opportunity to take advantage of the Chicago Bears who actually struggle against the run um so i think one of the, the the biggest things for washington is like how they have some explosive plays in the run game uh i think they're ninth in the nfl in terms of uh explosiveness on the ground but then you have the bears who are just terrible against the run uh, statistically the bears are the 31st ranked rushing defense in yards per game and then they're the 24th ranked rush defense in yards per attempt but yet people don't throw on them <laughs> I mean, people don't run on them, excuse me. So you have to find a way to establish the ground game. They don't get run on that much. Um, but when they do, they give up a lot of yards. They still give up a lot of yards, and they still average a lot on the ground uh, uh, in terms of yards per carry. You have to establish the ground game. This is a perfect game for Brian Robinson. This is a really good game for Antonio Gibson. And for all of the issues that Washington had on the ground game in terms of execution, um, you have to involve J.D. McKissick more on the ground as well. 
He had zero carries against the Tennessee Titans and offered this offered no flexibility in terms of what you can expect in terms of tendencies or anything like when he was in the game in the red zone against the Titans. They're not expecting you to two things. They're not expecting you to run the ball with J.D. McKissick, but also they weren't expecting you to run it, period, given that you had no timeout. So they played it very well um, in that sense. But uh, you have to find a way to get the ground on a uh, ground game going. I'm expecting no less than 25 carries. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that. Uh, I hope. I'm saying I expect this is a very, a very good opportunity to establish the ground game, slow things down for Carson Wentz. Um, a lot of people don't understand uh, how difficult things are for Carson Wentz when he's averaging 40 plus pass attempts per game, and I think that's what he's had over the, the in over the four game losing streak between Detroit, Philly, Dallas, and Tennessee. Um, I think his record, I believe, against teams in which he has to pass 40 times a game, I think it's 8-22-1. And And that was before the season. (laughs) That was before the season. He's 8-22-1 when he throws at least 40 passes in the game. So go ahead and let's extrapolate that now. If he's 8-22-1, and they lost four games in a row in which this season in which he threw for 40 passes, um, they're 8-26 and one. So what is that? It's 23. Let's do eight divided right by 23. That's 34% of your games. You ain't winning. Or 70% of your games. You know, the inverse. I had to do the inverse. I'm not good at math, but you can you can do it for me, those who are listening. <laughs> That's uh, nearly 70% of your games that you're losing when you throw 40-plus a game and for reference, um, Patrick Mahomes, this is all before the season, so I haven't done the math yet. I don't know if he's thrown 40 times a game this season at all. But Patrick Mahomes, before it started, he's 22 and seven when he throws 40 plus times a game, and that's just Pat Mahomes, man. He could do that, he a dog. So you have to establish the ground game. I'm saying no less than 25 carries you'll see between Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and uh, JD McKissick. Jonathan Williams, I believe, is a little sick. And I said sick. I meant to say he has a knee injury. I'm, uh, I had a. I was thinking about somebody else, my a family member that I just got a text from. Um, they're they're not too good um, right now, so they're a little sick. But uh, yeah, um, Jonathan Williams is hurt with a knee injury, and I think before we continue, let's go ahead and understand you know who's around and who's not. And, and for Washington, we had a couple DNPs on that side: Percy Butler, Sam Cosme, Jahan Dotson. Logan Thomas and Jonathan Williams all did not participate um, on Tuesday. And uh, they're all dealing with some lingering injuries. Diami Brown was limited. Christian Holmes limited. William Jackson limited uh, with his back injury. David Mayo limited. Um, and then Carson Wentz limited with a right shoulder. Diami Brown dealing with a groin injury. Um, but in on the, the Bears side, you have Jalen Johnson, uh, who's a defensive back. Dane Krushnak. Defensive back, they're full. Uh, Nikhil Harry, receiver, he was limited on Tuesday. So that's what we have in terms of practicing for today. Uh, but Or practicing for Tuesday, excuse me. And, and that's kind of your injury report as it stands right now. Um, so that's my first key. Uh, my second key is going to be for Washington to also stop the run. Um, I think when it comes to the Chicago Bears, like their offense – is not that good. Um, like their passing metrics are all bad. <laughs> uh, but at the same vein, 
I think the explosiveness is the concerning part. They have explosive plays in the pass game. They have explosive plays in the run game, right? It's not that good, but they have explosive plays in the run game. They're really good outside of the tackles. Washington is really bad outside of the tackles. Um, And then if you all remember the pregame heading into the Dallas, one of the things that I said that Washington needed to do was try to hit those uh, outside the tackle runs. And they were very strong. I mean, I said they were very strong. They were very good on the strong side running the football against uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys on both sides. That's where you saw those big plays pop for all three backs. Um, so I think that's kind of the thing that you have to take into account. Um, these guys are really good outside the tackles. And while a lot of that has to do with Justin Fields, they also have decent running backs, um, like naturally good running backs. So you have to understand how effective they can be in terms of running the football. Uh, but that's that's really where that is on that side. They're effective running. They're consistent running the football. Uh, they know that if they put the ball in Justin Fields' hands, that's going to be a problem. Uh, they they don't want to have to throw 40 or 30 plus times a game. They probably don't even want to throw 20 times a game, right? They only have 88 attempts on the season. That's dead last. They don't want to run. They don't want to pass the football. They want to run it. Um, so it really comes down to limiting the explosive plays. Uh, and they do have receivers capable of doing that, having some explosives. Um, so you have to be mindful of that. I believe, who is it? Byron Pringle. It's probably just coming back. This is, he's played three games. He started one, but Byron Pingle is a guy that I personally scouted. Uh, he's really good in terms of scramble drill. Like he has, he has that that knack for for scramble drills. Um, and, and the reason, and, and if that's the one thing that you're thinking, like, Maul, you brought that up. Um, yeah, that's important when you have a scrambling quarterback in Justin Fields. Byron Pingle has good football instincts. He can make plays when the play break down for his quarterback. So you have to be mindful of him. But he ain't the big play guy right now. That's Daryl Mooney, who's averaging 17 yards of reception. So uh, the explosive plays is really the, the thing for me. It comes through the ground game, but it also comes through uh, uh, the, the air as well. So you just have to be mindful of that. And that's my second key for Washington. Um, and then the last thing is a combination. So it's like a 3A and 3B. First thing is get Dax Mill off, off returns. That's a key. Get Dex Mill off of returns. Uh, flat out, Antonio Gibson needs to be back there. Uh, whether it's punt or kickoff, he needs to be back there, if not both. Uh, I prefer both. Uh, Dex Mill isn't really taking advantage of his opportunities. Um, he's new at this in terms of the NFL level, but he isn't seeing the field. Well, I think things are moving too quickly for him. I think that uh, the decision-making that he's making – is, is problematic, but he's also not breaking any tackle. He's going down off the first tackle. He's not surviving. Uh, he's moving laterally too much. Like, there's a lot of things off the top of my head that suggest to me he ain't really built for this. And he's not fast enough. His his speed isn't showing off. Um, like, he, he's a 4-5 or five guy. He runs better with the ball in his hand after a catch, but he ain't looking too good as a returner. Um, So get him off returns now. <laughs> get him off. And then the last thing. Uh, the B side is tur- turnovers, man. We're talking about five games into the season. You really didn't create any turnover. I'm not counting the Jacksonville turnover. And I'm going to keep making this a key. So I may end up doing three A's and three B's the entire rest of the season until it starts to happen. Create turnovers, man. Justin Fields doesn't see the field that well in, um, as a passer. So they will drop back to pass. Like it's, they're, they're not going to go 50 yards in a cloud of dust and, and have 50 rush attempts against Washington unless they allow it. 
but I, I'm confident that Washington will be able to stop the traditional ground game handoffs and things like that. Um, but you have to f- try to find a way to create turnovers. And it's still at stripping the ball. Like I don't see many people going after the football with Washington. Like they're playing, they're trying to play the assignment football. No longer they're comfortable with, uh, with really like being out there to be a playmaker. Um, but you need some help and help this offense out, man. And uh, and the reason why I'm putting the onus on the, the defense is because the offense has been trending downhill a lot, especially in the past game for, for a variety of reasons between Carson Wentz and maybe Scott Turner and how he uh, decides to um, attack a defense. But ultimately, I'm putting the onus on the defense to, to really start helping win games. And I know they're frustrated. Jonathan Allen is frustrated. De'Ron Payne. He's trying to say, hey, man, I love football, so anytime I get to step out on that field, I'm doing good. And he said that with a smirk on his face. That looked like a guy who, know he solidified himself a good payday, and he ain't really tripping too much longer. He only got, what, 11 games left before he got a dip. But ultimately, uh, these guys are probably frustrated. You know, three games in a row where your team is averaging under – or your offense is averaging under the, the league the league average in points per game, which is around 22 points per game. They're averaging around 17, 16. And my numbers may be all just a tad bit, but it's around that number. And for a long time, this defense has been asking, like, where's my help at? Even against the Detroit Lions, you go down 22 nothing. that's cool. I mean, not cool, but you get it. Like, you go down 22 nothing. but, you know, there was a first half in which the offense couldn't sustain anything. And then there was a moment in which the, the defense gave them, like, five straight possessions uh, back without giving up a point. And the offense gave them two touchdowns uh, and a turnover and a couple punts. Like, where's my help at? So, yeah, it, it really comes down to the defense creating extra opportunities for this offense and, and maybe even housing a, a a turnover, whether it's a fumble return or a pick six. So those are my three keys, my 3A and 3B as well. Um, so, yeah, there's that. My score prediction, unfortunately, does not favor the commanders. Though I do think again they have a good opportunity to beat a team, um, but it, it's I just think that it's too much. It's going to be too much to overcome in the sense of Washington going on the road uh, in an instance where traditionally home teams just win on Thursday night, having that short week, come back home and just regroup. Uh, and also the Bears just aren't playing like terrible football. They've been competitive in all of these games, really. Um, so yeah, man, I'm going 21-17. Uh, the Chicago Bears win. And unfortunately, the commanders fall to one at five. Uh, and that is not good at all for this team, for Rivera, and then for the week that we're about to have. And hopefully I'm wrong because I want Washington to win. I want to, you know, ease up on the criticism and ease up on the frustration that so many people are having. And I think that Washington has a good chance to do it. But am I confident that they'll be able to do it? Uh, the unfortunate answer is no. So with that being said, that's going to wrap it up for us today. It's going to wrap it up for us this episode. And I'm looking forward to the break that we all going to have this weekend to kick our feet up, man, and just enjoy Sunday football from start to finish. Looking forward to it. I know you all are looking forward to it. And then we're back to our regularly scheduled program uh, next week as well. So I'm looking forward to all of that, getting back situated, man, um, and and all that good stuff. So y'all be safe. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your evening. Whenever y'all are listening, we out here. Peace.